You're listening to the On The Go With VAO News Podcast for the week ending April 8th, 2016. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is our weekly recap of the top headlines from this week's daily acquisition news. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Bill Olfer, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Dara Curran, content developer and fellow news writer. In the next 45 days, the Office of Management and Budget and the Department of the Treasury plan to release the new required standards and guidance that agencies must use to comply with the Digital Accountability and Transparency Act, or the Data Act, by the May 9, 2017 deadline. The Act requires agencies to use a uniform set of interoperable data elements when they report contract, grant, budget, and award information to what is currently the USAspending.gov website, but will probably be succeeded when Treasury takes over. OMB controller David Mader says Treasury has nearly finished developing the reporting schema that agencies will use and is now soliciting comments and input on its draft documents. The General Services Administration has launched a new program called Making It Easier, or MIE, an effort to help small and innovative vendors win spots in the IT Schedule 70. The program includes a couple of different aspects. One is Fast Lane, an effort aimed at cutting the time that's required to approve new schedule participants and contract modifications. The Startup Springboard, which allows firms to submit project experience and the professional experience of their key executives as an alternative to GSA's current two-year corporate experience requirement. And a plain language roadmap and MAS welcome package to ensure that all participants get uniform guidance that they can understand on navigating Schedule 70. The Government Accountability Office recommends 10 best practices that can help agencies get the most from their cloud investments. GAO reviewed 21 cloud contracts from five agencies and found most incorporated a majority of these 10 key practices related to service level agreements. A service level agreement defines the level of service and the performance that's expected from a vendor, how that performance will be measured, and how performance will be enforced if the vendor falls short of the agreed upon measures. GAO found that seven of the contracts had used all 10 best practices and the others had implemented some or most of the practices. Of course, GAO wants agencies to use all of the best practices. Now that list of practices. Specify the roles and responsibilities of all parties with respect to the the service level agreement. Define the key terms, such as dates and performance. Define how the contractor's performance will be measured and identify who's responsible for monitoring that performance. Specify how and when the agency has access to its own data and networks. Specify how the vendor will monitor and report performance and how the agency will in turn audit these reports. Service level agreements should provide for disaster recovery and continuity of operations planning and testing as well. They should identify any exceptions to the service levels, such as during scheduled maintenance. The SLA should identify what the provider must do to meet security requirements, big hot topic lately, and how the vendor should notify the agency when these aren't being met. SLAs should have a stick involved in them, enforceable consequences such as financial penalties for non-compliance with any of the performance measures. Secretary of Defense Ashton Carter has released a series of recommendations to reform the 1986 Goldwater-Nichols Act. In relation to contracting, Carter would like to reduce the size of the 35-member Defense Acquisition Board, in part to free up staff time and focus energy on program success rather than bureaucratic obstacles. 
Carter also wants to reduce the paperwork involved with acquisition and clarify the role of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff as someone who can look across services and combatant commands and make recommendations about how to synchronize forces and where to allocate resources. Defense Procurement and Acquisition Policy Director Claire Grady has issued new procedures for DOD source selections. Changes to the procedures include an expanded discussion of both trade-off and lowest price technically acceptable source selection procedures consistent with better buying power initiatives, modifications to evaluation methodologies, updated statutory and regulatory references, and best practices obtained through peer reviews. The memo rescinds the prior source selection procedures issued March 4, 2011. However, solicitations with a source selection plan approved prior to May 1, 2016 may continue to use the prior procedures. The DoD Office of Inspector General has made some recommendations about improving price reasonableness determinations. OIG recommended that the Army Engineering and Support Center in Huntsville, Alabama, provide refresher training for its contracting officers on determining fair and reasonable pricing, after it found some weaknesses in orders made through GSA's federal supply schedules. Although contracting staff compared prices and selected the lower quote, they relied on inadequate independent government estimates for all 25 orders the IG reviewed. Contracting staff also sometimes relied on vendor quotes that were eliminated from consideration for technical reasons without verifying whether the prices were still valid for comparison purposes. IG also noted that contracting officers did not document that they had completed training on preparing IGEs and lacked guidance on using technically unacceptable quotes for price reasonable determinations or requiring contracting personnel to approve price reasonableness determinations prior to award. OIG recommended the center develop more guidance and provide contracting officers with more training. The Department of Energy has released new strategic sourcing guidance. Prior to issuing a new contract, contracting officers must consider the use of an existing strategic sourcing contract. When an existing agreement is not used, the CO must include in the contract file a brief analysis of the comparative value, including price and non-price factors, between the services and supplies offered under the strategic sourcing agreement and the source used for the purchase. And those are the headlines for this week. If you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can find links to this week's headlines for further reading on VAO on the same page where you downloaded this podcast. We appreciate you tuning in today. Join us again for the next Daily News podcast, which will be held on April 15th. Goodbye.